the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. A very special guest and familiar voice joins us on today's program. We're pleased to have with us the host of Living by the Word. Some call him the Paul Harvey of Christian Radio. When I tell you his name, you'll know why they say that. He is the senior pastor of People's Inner City Fellowship in Marin City, Sausalito, and a privilege and delight to have Pastor Marcus Small joining us today. And Pastor Small, great to have you on board. It is great to be here. Thanks, Craig. I first want to say, by the way, congratulations. I understand you're you're just kind of on the cusp of about 10 full years of ministry serving as full-time pastor there at People's Inner City. And you actually, if I'm not mistaken, you took over the helm. You took over that, that position as senior pastor when your father, Fred, was called to be home with the Lord. That is correct. 2013, May 15th, 2013. Your church oftentimes refers to the goal of not only loving God, but believing and preaching and teaching the Word of God without compromise. And I think maybe the only thing we could add to that is um, to preach it, to teach it, and to live it. And and I'm curious, from your perspective, not only as a senior pastor, but I'll mention that you are a licensed marriage and family therapist here, um, serving in the Bay Area is kind of a a, a dual calling, a dual or bivocational uh, ministry. Is one of the challenges, in your opinion today, as we look at what's going on not only in the world around us, but but more closer in what's going on in the church, that sometimes we we might be exposed to quality preaching and teaching, but if we're not living the word without compromise, is that what gets us largely into trouble, do you think? Absolutely. I think one of the one of the major problems or difficulties is Blending ministry, blending um, one's vocation, even if it's a a ministry in the world of secular, as we may say. Um, And it's always it's a challenge because when you try to bring the two together, oftentimes um, there can be a challenge of balance. And so um, for me, it's balancing the ministry at the church, balancing the ministry also in my job and how they come together. It's vitally important, and the Lord has has helped me to be able to uh, to blend the two, to be able to bring both together, and to be able to um, have success in both areas. So I'm very grateful for that. And, and I guess that challenge in a broader perspective is something that all of us face: that sense of wanting to see a, a solid blending of not only our our workplace life, our family life, but our spiritual life as well. And sometimes I suppose some folks 
tend to kind of compartmentalize all of that, meaning you know where they're in the Word and they're in their they're in their relationship with God on Sunday, and then the rest of the week God kind of gets set on the shelf and they go about their business. But I wonder if maybe therein lies part of the problem that the ability of the church to really have its greatest impact in the communities around us is that sense of workplace evangelism, uh, that that sense of marketplace evangelism, where we take Jesus into the marketplace Monday through Saturday, as opposed to just simply leaving him at church on Sunday. Yes. I think when whenever we look at work, I think that we always have to remember that it is a goal, it is a God calling so that when we are working, whatever it may be, that's our ministry for that purpose. We're, we're to be faithful and God uses us and wherever we are. And, and too often people say, well, um, I work during the week here as a tax preparer or as a lawyer, but my real passion is one day to be a preacher. Well, you're preaching somewhere, wherever you are by your lifestyle and your job. And I think the the matter of trying not to separate, but to say wherever I am, God has called me to be a minister right there in that job. And sometimes people don't oftentimes see that and feel that ministry only happens at the church as compared to the workplace where they spend most of their time. So either a lack of understanding of how that blend is supposed to be in their day-to-day life or the notion that maybe the job is up to the professionals. (laughs) By that, I mean, well, pastor handles all those things on Sunday. I I just go to work, I collect a paycheck, and I go home. And and, and maybe therein lies, as you indicate, the, the, the real need to rethink all of that. Some folks struggle with the notion of, well, I'm not sure what God has called me to do. I don't know where my ministry is. You think maybe for all of us, ministry simply starts at where we're planted, meaning on the job with our families and the lives that we come in contact with every day, be it the postal carrier, the UPS delivery guy, the man who collects money when we buy gasoline, things of that sort. Is that the perspective that we need to be looking at, that wherever God has placed us, therein is our ministry? And it doesn't necessarily have to be. It could be being a Sunday school teacher, but doesn't necessarily have to be that. Do you think that's true? Absolutely, it's true. I think about the Apostle Paul, um, who was bivocational. He made tents during the time, uh, you know, of his ministry. He at times he would preach during uh, the Sabbath and during the week of times. But there are times when he had to make a living, and he would. Spend that time making tents, um, bringing those matters together. And I think one of the things that's important is it's great to want to serve in the church, but the the false dichotomy that one is not really ministering unless in the building, um, well, it's a false notion. And I think the greatest impact is if we learn to recognize that if I'm making an impact at the office, that may just inspire a person to want to say, well, what's different about this individual? Maybe what they want to come to church with you. So wherever we are, we should use it as an opportunity 
Um, and so that becomes vital. And I think if many people can get that perspective, it can really expand and extend their ministry where they are. So the real greatest need then is outside of the church, beyond the four walls of the church, um, to be out there in, in not only being salt and light, um, but but to be, as Scripture says, you know, we should compel them to come in. Well, how will, how will they hear unless we can be out into the highways and byways and doing just that? Yes, absolutely. Compelling individuals to come by what we say, how we live, how we represent the Lord. Um, one of the things I feel, <clears throat> I find that's very interesting um, in my job as a therapist, when individuals come to find out that I am a pastor or that e- even I go to church, because oftentimes, let me not even bring that up. Um, it's kind of interesting of how they then respond to me. Some of them are like, oh, wow, that's, that's great. And they begin to ask questions in relation to that. But for many of the clients I work with, many of them may not know that I'm a pastor because I don't want that to necessarily be the lead. But oftentimes I use the training that God has given me as a therapist, my work in the church to help families. But when they find out, what I come to find is that once the relationship has been established, um, it really actually enhances the work that I oftentimes do with the family as compared to it being a barrier. Our conversation today with Pastor Marcus Small, Senior Pastor of People's Inner City Fellowship, located in Marin City, Salsalito. We'll take a brief time out back to more of our discussion right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Marcus Small. He's Senior Pastor of People's Inner Cities Fellowship, located in Marin City, Salsalito. Pastor Small, I want to pick up where we left off at just prior to the break. Let me ask you this. Do you find, I'm curious, in that role, you bring a unique perspective to the table as not only a pastor, but as we mentioned earlier, a marriage and family therapist. I'm wondering, do you find in most of the clients that you work with that there is a sense of commonality in terms of the challenges that they face or the struggles that I have, that they have, does it tend to be relational? And I ask that question because certainly when we deal with what goes on in our lives and the struggles that we have, if our relationship with God is not in right and perfect order, well, of course, everything else is going to be having some challenges and, and struggles to be sure. If your heart is right with the Lord and your relationship with him is right, then the ability to take that and translate it across all of your horizontal relationships, I would imagine, becomes a lot easier. So at the end of the day, I'm, I'm curious, do you find that in many instances, the challenges that people are facing is because of challenges that they're dealing with at the, the horizontal and vertical line, relationally speaking? That is absolutely the crux of what happens In any type of work, whether it's as a therapist or whatever work that a person does, I've come to find that the relationship is what makes a difference. What they found in some studies um, in psychology is that regardless of what approach 
or theoretical orientation a person brought, um, that wasn't really the agent of change. What they found that was the key change was the relationship within the within the therapy or within that working situation um, with a family, with an individual. They found that pretty much every approach had pretty much the same outcome. But what made a, a therapist different or raise the bar was the relationship that they had with that client. And in fact, when there is a relationship <clears throat> that has been established, I'm able to say some things that maybe another therapist could not say um, and still be okay with the client. Oftentimes, there are certain matters that you can't necessarily delve into too soon because a therapeutic relationship hasn't occurred or even just a regular relationship. So it becomes vitally important to have a, a relationship with a client to where they feel that you're just not a therapist, but that you really um, like them and that you actually understand them. So you're you're essentially using building blocks um, from a scriptural perspective. We might say precept upon precept to move towards discussing those issues. And, and I would suppose, for example, in your work, if you're dealing with, say, a couple and there are issues going on between husband and wife and there's a lot of consternation within the family and disagreement, everything from maybe a parenting approaches to what goes on within that couple, do you find sometimes that there is that sense of, of the the couple dealing with many of these challenges? Because maybe, for example, one or nowadays possibly even both are from broken families. They've never seen a healthy marriage relationship between mother and father, husband and wife at that level, modeled before them because they came from a broken home. And so as a result, they don't know what that looks like. And so then sort of the, the, the issues that were present in one's parents' relationships all of a sudden now gets carried into your own relationships. So if you never saw mom and dad get along real well, or if one of the two were not in the picture, I would guess it isn't any wonder then that those children, once they become husband and wife, mom and dad, equally struggle because the the quality, as I say, of of the the mentorship was just never there. Do Do you see that happen often in your work, both in marriage and family counseling, as well as as a pastor? Yes, and even I think even more so now, um, I'm seeing even more of a breakdown within the families. Many of the um, families that I work with, and primarily many of the families I work with are involved, you know, they're in the school system. So my work currently right now is working with some of the school districts where students are having either depression or anxiety, and some of them cannot get to school. So part of my work is going into the home, making an assessment, what's happening to keep that student from going to school. Um, And in some respects, many of the families are single-parent homes. Sometimes father is the single parent, but in many cases, single-parent families. And then that transition of either going from one parent to the other and then to school, there's oftentimes a conflict internally 
for that student to where they oftentimes struggle with getting to school. Um, and then as they grow up and look at having relationships and then eventually marry, I see some of those same barriers and things that they said, oh, this happened to my parents. I'm going to make sure that I don't do it end up occurring anyway. And so I see that pattern, that pattern kind of repeating itself um, throughout. This is pretty and it's pretty interesting um, to work with some of the families because while they have a great heart, some of them are really kind of unsure how to handle some of the the difficulties that are arising. And so uh, it becomes interesting in looking at efforts to address those symptoms. And so one other thing I will say, I've asked God in the past to help me to work with families that were considered to be the more difficult families to work with, where others may try to act to say, oh, I don't want to work with that family. I've asked the Lord to actually place those families um, in my sphere and he has. And what it involves then is trying to come up with different um, techniques or ways in working with them that are outside the box. And so that becomes a challenge at times because um, at times the kind of, I would say, the the normal way of approaching the situation does not always work. And so you have to be somewhat creative. It doesn't always work, but I've asked the Lord to help me in that area. And so he has been. Do you find some of those challenges that families are facing are exponentially growing as time goes on? And I ask that question, Pastor Small, because, for example, we've seen the impact of COVID over the last couple of years and and families set to turmoil because perhaps there's been a loss of an income. Uh, There might be a situation where suddenly now a, a single parent had to deal with, my child is no longer going to school, I have to go to work, I can't afford daycare or a babysitter during the hours that I'm working, so that puts not only some emotional pressure on that parent, but also enormous financial stresses and pressures. And then when you add to that much of what we see going on in the world around us, and you know you know this better or certainly as well as anyone else, having been born and raised here in the San Francisco Bay Area, we're facing a lot of challenges. We've seen increases of violence on the street. There's been examples of, 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 of between overt and covert examples of, of severe racism at a time when we thought gee, we think we're starting to make some progress, and then it seems as if we've taken two steps forward and three steps backward. I wonder if this almost creates sort of a powder keg for some of these families because there are so many multiple stressors financially, scholastically, in terms of health, and then add to that many of the the examples of moral decay that we see in society around us, it would just seem that this is a particularly rough time to be a parent. I think one of the, something I should say that probably was really unanticipated is the effect that COVID would have on the psyche and the, the development of not only the children, but the whole family system. And what, I, what I'm finding in some of the um, students and families was that the students actually went into a shell and many of them 
had a, not only a hard time going back to school, but even going out of the house, going any place for fear. And so the difficulty for the family where mom had to go or father had to go to work and having been home, they were then concerned about leaving the student, are concerned about leaving the student because right now their mental health has been so impacted that there is concern at times for suicide, concerns about suicidal ideation. Um, and so what has what's happened is that some families and some parents have had to work partly from home and then go into the office as needed. But a lot of parents have had to transition specific, excuse me, specifically because of what was happening with their children. And then some of the families themselves, the adults, the parents, had a very difficult time and are having a difficult time transitioning um, and going back. Uh, what COVID has done uh, for some has, it's brought about a fear, some justified than some that's not, but it's produced the same types of feelings and affect um, as if a person is experiencing a, a real just traumatic event. Um, whether it's from a person having um, seen a great trauma, they're they're exhibiting those same behaviors and having those same feelings. And it's been very interesting to address and deal with. Our conversation today with Pastor Marcus Small, Senior Pastor of People's Inner City Fellowship, located in Marin City, Sausalito. We'll take a brief time out back to more of our discussion right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Marcus Small. He's Senior Pastor of People's Inner Cities Fellowship located in Marin City, Salcedo. Pastor Small, let's pick up where we left off at just prior to the break. And I'm so glad you bring that up because I think we need, as, particularly as adults, uh, need to be cautious in recognizing that you know, as much as many of us have struggled since the beginning, I mean, I, I don't know of another time, certainly in my lifetime, when collectively so many people were facing down the reality of their own mortality and learning of loved ones and family members and acquaintances that were getting deathly ill and some even passing away from the impact of COVID and to recognize that if this causes a stressor for the adults who at least have a modicum of capacity to understand what's going on here, imagine what it means for a child to have their entire world and their order, their routine completely upended, seeing not only the fears that they are facing, but watching it being played out in the faces of mom and dad, the faces that they see on television, the way in which aspects of this have been overly and unnecessarily so politicized, and then to recognize the kind of tremendous burden that we have inadvertently placed on the shoulders of our children who don't have the complete capacity to be able to reason through all of this or, or separate fact from fiction. And now all of a sudden, their world has been unended is it any wonder that there is a hesitation to, to re-engage or that there's been aspects where perhaps even their relational development 
has been stifled because children have not been socialized the way they need to be. They've not engaged with others, been stuck at home the entire time. I mean, talk about an enormous burden for both a child and a parent. So it sounds like from your perspective that there's degrees of this in which even as we seem to be getting on the other side of this and nations are beginning to open up back fully again and and we've seen the 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 benefit of the the vaccine to help reduce the amount of spread and so we're we're feeling as if we're on the cusp of normalcy but you're suggesting then that there's some fallout of the impact of the last two years that we will continue to struggle with even as once we've kind of said oh yeah covid i remember that while it might be in the rearview mirror in terms of it being a public health crisis, it sounds like you're suggesting, Pastor Small, that there are aspects of this from an emotional and even spiritual standpoint that will continue to be with us for some time to come, and particularly so for for young children who, as we've discussed, really don't have the capacity to be able to kind of look at all of this on balance and understand what it means for them. A lot of work ahead of us then. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, within the some of the students that I work with, even right now, some still can't leave the house as of right now. Um, within the church, um, there were some that were afraid to come um, to church, even when we had it outdoors. And so what we did, um, as soon as we were able to open up, which was in June of 2020, we began actually meeting Right away, as soon as Marin County said, okay, churches can meet, we were meeting outside, brought our instruments outside, set up chairs, canopies, and held services outside. And was the only church in our area, Marin City, let's say, um, for several months that that was holding in-person service um, for the body. And then when it rained, we would then do our on-call. We'd basically be on Zoom or on the phone, but we were um, still meeting on a regular basis as soon as we could with the distancing that they suggested. But it was very um, interesting. And the body where we love to hug people and touch, it was hard because there was this concern about now proximity. And that brought in a whole nother level. And then as soon as church is over, people were, they're out of here. They're, they're gone. Um, and that's beginning to change now. But it was good for us because we had other people that started to come um, to the church um, because we were meeting in person. Um, and so that was kind of interesting to see as well. Some of the people that would come um, to worship, even though they may not have been the church at all. One, one of the things that I am struck by, and I think is so critically important because You know, we have seemed over the last two years to treat this as if the singular issue was the pandemic. And aside from that, uh, if you weren't ill from it, all was well. In fact, of course, we know that's not the case. We know that, for example, we live in one of the most expensive places, not only in the entire state, but in the entire nation. And the families that were already struggling pre-COVID 
and then just having their own economic circumstances further exacerbated by the impact of COVID, where suddenly now they're not even certain how they're going to make the rent this month or how they're going to be able to stretch the food budget. You know, what's the old adage? You've got more months than you've got money. And the fact mm-hmm. that people, People's Inner Cities Fellowship Food Ministry, you never shut down, you never slowed down, you kept that running full throttle even during the height of the pandemic when, quite frankly, the need, the need was really the greatest, wasn't it? That's correct. Um, we made a strategic um, point and effort to keep the food pantry open and that that was as you mentioned at the very height um, of the COVID-19 and so as a result we had to do quite a bit of extra just to kind of get things kind of lined up and set up we had the distancing put out the tape and wipe things down but we never shut down Um, and that's a testimony to my to this to the volunteers who were willing to come um, at their own own cost as well to serve those in need, and so just very grateful to God that He blessed us and kept us and allowed us to still serve in that capacity. Our conversation today with Pastor Marcus Small, Senior Pastor of People's Inner City Fellowship, located in Marin City, Sausalito. We'll take a brief time out back to more of our discussion right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Marcus Small. He's Senior Pastor of People's Inner Cities Fellowship, located in Marin City, Sausalito. Pastor Small, let's pick up where we left off at just prior to the break. And recognizing how how critical that kind of ministry, that sort of boots-on-the-ground engagement really is, which ironically almost takes us full back, uh, full circle back to the, where our, became, our conversation began today, and that is the notion that it's not just sufficient enough to read the Word, study the Word, hear the Word, preach the Word, but you have to live the Word. And I think that uh, the, the engagement that your ministry there at People's Inner Cities Fellowship has had, even through the height of the pandemic, is demonstrative of that very same idea that it's preaching, teaching, and living the word without compromise. I want to pivot, if we can, uh, Pastor, and talk a bit about the ministry there. Um, I understand that uh, you grew up there. That's that's home for you in Marin City, uh, born and raised, and uh, and your father actually had been a senior pastor. Tell us a bit about your your own walk, uh, the way in which the Lord drew you into full-time ministry. How did that all come about? It, well, it wasn't by agreement initially. It was me running. I am not going that direction. <laughs> I, think, um, I think Paul had the same issue at one point. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I, and I actually now live in uh, Roner Park, right next to uh, Sonoma State, beautiful country, and I now I drive 40, you know, about 40 miles um, to here. But my, my dad came from and mom came from Lancaster, South Carolina. He was a baker in the Air Force um, and he was stationed at Hamilton in Nevada. And there was this little place here in Marin City during the war where initially many had come to work on the shipyards in Sausalito. 
and there was housing here. So his plan was to, and he wasn't saved at the time, his plan was to do his, his you know, to fulfill his obligation in the Air Force, re-enlist as a baker, and then go back east. But he got saved here. And while he wanted to go back home, he heard the Lord say, I want you to stay in Marin City. He said he cried because there were, you know, mud puddles. And he did not want to stay here. But he decided to submit to the Lord, and he did. He served as also as a postman for about 17 years total between the Air Force and being a, um, a postman. And the Lord finally said, I want you to leave that job in just full-time ministry. So my dad served in this ministry for over 50 years. We've only had three pastors here, Pastor Durham, my dad, and now myself. And I was my dad's assistant for a number of years. And initially, my job, my, in fact, my going to school and moving, going into the realm of psychology, the field of psychology, was really to escape going into the ministry. I says, I see how pastors are treated and I want no part of the pastorship. And so I'm going to school. Well, the Lord had other plans. <laughs> and so um, served with my dad and then accepted my call, was a drummer for the church and then played the keyboards. And so I served in that capacity and also as my dad's administrative assistant. And so kind of a hands-on approach um, in the ministry. So in 2013 is when he passed. But prior to that time, he did something very strategic, I think, um, which is very interesting. He asked the congregation that if anything was to ever to happen to him, and he did this years before, would you accept Pastor Marcus as your pastor? And the congregation said yes. And even though the congregation has kind of changed since that time, the, the groundwork had been laid. And as a result, when he passed, I was in the ministry, moved into the position of the senior pastor. Very smooth transition, because oftentimes when there's such a transition with a beloved pastor as my dad was, you oftentimes have a major fallout. And that didn't happen. Few people left, but there was a smooth transition. And that was only by the grace of God. So it sounds like the Lion of Judah was chasing you, (laughs) and he ran a lot faster than you could, by God's grace. Um, In the time since you've been serving, we mentioned it's almost a a decade now, Uh, obviously there's been a lot of changes. Talk to us a bit about where you see some of the greatest needs directly within your community, and and most importantly, how can the body of Christ, not only locally in Marin City, Sausalito, that area of Marin County, but but even throughout the San Francisco Bay Area, how can we do a better job for impacting the world around us, kind of back to that marketplace evangelism idea, that we can be more efficient, more effective at reaching this lost and dying world that day by day has got so many questions, and we've been handed the book that provides all the answers. How can we be more efficient at that? Two things come to mind right off, and that is, one is prayer. I think many people underestimate the power and effectiveness of prayer. Um, when I come into the community, I kind of make around my round around, go around a particular way as I come through. And as I drive through the community, I 
pray for the different areas as I'm working my way to the church. I was praying one morning. I felt the Holy Spirit um, prompt me or say to me is that when I was praying, God do a miracle and I'm just praying. I felt the Holy Spirit says they don't need a miracle. They need to hear the word of God. And I actually paused and stopped praying at that point. I said, huh? And so one of the greatest need is encouraging and inviting people to go to church to hear the word of God. That's where the vital change takes place. They need to hear the word. And so I think one of the things for me for the Bay Area is pray for Marin City, pray for the churches to not compromise the word, to not become woke, to not become a group that violates the word of God by caving to pressure to become something that we're not. I vow to God that I would proclaim the word of God. I would preach the word of God and not compromise. And that's my mandate. So when people come to church, as they leave the world or come into, they have to be able to go to a place that speaks the truth, speaks it in love, but speaks it firmly and preaches directly from the word of God. That is the key. And so for many of the young people growing up and many of the mothers who are raising children without the fathers, there, there's a generation and generations that's, that's not getting to church, that's not being raised. And so for us in growing up, we had the, the ability to fall back on what we had been taught. You know, we might have gone out there, but there was a way to get back. Many of the young people don't have a foundation to fall back on. They're not having that. And so the foundation is not there. They need a foundation. And parents right now are not getting their children to church, nor are they coming. That's one of the greatest needs I see. And as we know, Scripture tells us, hang out a shingle and they shall come. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says, <laughs> go out into the highways and byways and compel them compel. to come in. That's right. And uh, it, it's it's as vital that we be fully participatory in the body of Christ, whether it be going to Sunday school, Wednesday or midweek Bible study, plugged into fellowship on a Sunday morning. It's as vital that we do that as it is that we be disciples of Christ in praying, reading the word, living the word, and then being that living testimony to those whose lives we come in touch with day by day. I want to mention, by the way, that um, Pastor Marcus Small, in addition to hearing him throughout the week on KFAX, also has a Sunday afternoon broadcast conveniently and I think most accurately called Living by the Word with Pastor Marcus Small. That's Sundays at 5 p.m. here on KFAX. You can also find more information about the ministry and fellowship of People's Inner Cities Fellowship by going online to PICF, think People's Inner City Fellowship, PICF.net. You have a Tuesday Zoom ministry in Petaluma area, for folks up in that part of the Bay, at 7 p.m. And then Wednesdays, both in-person and Zoom services starting at 6 p.m., the church meeting at 639 Drake Avenue in Marin City, Sausalito. Again, 639 Drake Avenue in Marin City, Sausalito. Complete details available on the web at PICF.net. That's PICF.net. 
Pastor Marcus Small, we sure appreciate you sharing some of your heart, some of your burden, some of the good news about what God is doing in ways in which we as believers in the body of Christ can be more effective at reaching those around us right where we're planted. I so much appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Greg. Great being with you. And again, to find out more information and uh, details regarding, if you're new to the Bay Area, uh, a new church home, well, certainly check them out. Broadcast again, Living by the Word with Pastor Marcus Small, Sundays at 5 p.m. And details again about the entire ministry at PICF.net. That's PICF.net. Our thanks to Pastor Marcus Small, Senior Pastor of People's Inner Cities Fellowship, for being with us today. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.